Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Now, in today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about something that for some might feel somewhat controversial, um, and that is Rob Bell's book, Love Wins. Now, I know that book came out 10 years ago, but it's stayed in the mainstream conversation. And uh, throughout the years, uh, the book has had a huge influence. Some people have adopted the perspectives in this book outright. Uh, Other people in evangelical Christianity have slowly allowed the things within the book uh, to influence the culture and, and saturate even the behaviors of, of the church. And, and so it has had a major influence and an impact. Now, the book is a hopeful plea from Rob Bell, uh, a pastor and, and theologian. I believe he considers himself a theologian, uh, for a universal reconciliation. Uh, this idea that postmortem, uh, after death, uh, one might still have an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ and, and through that receive salvation. And so his hope in the book that he lays out is that no one actually ever has to go to hell. And so, um, you know, that's what we want to talk about today. And we've invited Pastor Alan Shelby of Harvest Baptist Church to uh, help us sift through this content and have a better understanding of what universal reconciliation is and Rob Bell's book, Love Wins. So welcome, Pastor. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. It's always good to have you here, man. The yeah, conversations uh, are always very lively. Any anytime you want the viewership to go down, just <laughs> just have me. That's not true, actually. People listen. People engage. There's people. People are hungry for Alan Shelby. Huh? Yeah. You so know, I don't. I really, really, I don't like video podcasts. I, I never know what to do with my eyebrows. Oh yeah. You know, some people don't know what to do with their hands, but your you know, I have a much better face for radio. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> no, I. Yeah, some people really like the YouTube thing, though. Yeah. They, they like watching instead of listening. Is that supposed to be an encouragement? Um, yeah, I'm trying to, you know. Okay. It's okay. You're all well, right. Well, as soon as this gets You're monetized handsome. and he starts coming in, then uh, that's a then good Then you'll stop getting invited. You'll, yeah. you'll know when we start making good money. Okay, so uh, let's just dive right in. Uh, if you don't mind, let's briefly just cover the premise of the book Love Wins by Rob Bell. Can you just explain to us what the book is? is about. Yeah. Rob Bell has faulty exegesis. Yeah. He cannot do exegesis. Yeah. And he can take a verse out here that, you know, makes things sound one way, ignore the context around it and ignore sure. anything else that might say something different and then just present it this way because demons cannot do exegesis. In not doing exegesis, they will put in human reasoning, church tradition, and you end up 180 degrees from what the truth is. Right. How did Rob Bell get there? What is the what is the history of this doctrine? Okay, you you can end the New Testament with uh, hell is created for the devil and his angels, and there are humans who go there, and it's eternal, and it is torments. So you can end the New Testament that way, and then the church goes into this tunnel for 250 years as it is persecuted when mm-hmm. it comes out on the other end you see origin yeah and he was not even well regarded at the time no Mm-mm. i mean he did crazy things he was booted from alexandria yeah dude did crazy things yeah to his own body right so he wasn't well regarded at the time his he was 
excommunicated after he died and doctrines declared heresy, you know, by one of the church councils back when. Mm -hmm. Origen's theology was partially anticipated by his fellow Platonist, Clement of Mm -hmm. Alexandria. Yeah. So not Clement of Rome. Right. But the Alexandrian Clement. Then there's Origen. Then it shows up later in the Cappadocian Gregory of Nyssa. Rob Bell, in his book, in addition to mentioning them, so that he says, look, I'm in the mainstream. Yeah, right. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. He plants himself right in the broad stream, broad of deep waters of evangelicalism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, he also mentions that Jerome, Basil, and Augustine claimed that many people in their day believed in the ultimate reconciliation of all people to God. He does mm-hmm. that on page 107 of his right. book. Now, even Jerome Basil and Augustine did not believe it. All they say is, well, there's a lot of people today saying that. Mm-hmm. So Bell quotes them and says, oh, see, there were a lot of people saying it and ignores the fact that they were not ones of them. Right. So so you do have that. And then when you come down to modern times, you know, you have uh, people like William Barclay, who mm-hmm. was... Uh, Scottish Presbyterian uh, commentator who believed in universalism. You have John Stott among the evangelical movement who said, look, we need to give a more fair, better reading to annihilationism. Mm -hmm. Explain what that is, annihilationism. So So that would say that whenever it speaks of hell as destruction, only long enough for you to be annihilated. So it's... So it's eternal destruction in the sense that it wipes you out and then you're gone. Um, It's not that it's eternal torment forever. It's not eternal punishment. Only in that sense that when you die, if you don't go to heaven, you go to hell. God does not punish you forever in eternal torment, but you are destroyed. And you become non-existent. Correct. Yeah. Whereas what Rob Bell is advocating, and this is so to answer your question, it it is hard to pin him down. You know, and what I've discovered when people are influenced by doctrines of demons, and we look at what they present, read what they've said, and you know, it's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. You can digest it and say, oh, so what you're saying is you're saying there's no hell. Now, if you were Rob Bell, you would be looking at me saying, absolutely not. I say there's a hell. Yeah. In fact, I've seen those interviews with him. And he'll squirm and he'll say, well, you know, I don't actually suggest that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Well, then (laughs) and what are you suggesting? Yeah. No, he does suggest that. And again, this, I mean, lies right out of their mouth. They, They have to redefine terms to twist the theology totally 180 degrees. Yeah. So what Rob Bell might say, based on Luke 16, the mm-hmm. rich man and Lazarus, mm-hmm. is hell and heaven exist in parallel. So what he says, heaven and hell exist in parallel. And hell is not hell the way we would think of it from a biblical paradigm. Hell, well, there there are, so number one, hell is the suffering you have in this life. Yeah. 
He makes a big deal about that. So you suffer in this life, that's hell. Which I don't fully understand. His, there's no theological well, reason no, for that. Well, no. I mean, I will... Ag- it's inspirational, I, I will agree with it in this sense. I'll say, okay, you know, for someone who wants to say, I'm not, I I'm not going to go to hell because I've suffered it right now. Mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, well, you suffered one of three. So you got you suffered hell in this life. Entry level. And if you don't entry level hell. If you don't accept Jesus when you die, you're gonna to go to hell. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the millennium in the great white throne. We'll come back to that. You and you and hell are gonna be cast into the lake of fire. That's three hells. Yeah. That's too much hell. That's a lot of hell. So uh okay. So I mean I I would use it as an evangelistic hook. Yeah. I could agree with it in that sense, but he'll say, okay, really there's no hell as we would think of it. So hell is what you suffer in this life. And then it is what you make. You, you make your own hell by rebelling against God and the decisions that you have made. And so really heaven and hell are in parallel here. Mm-hmm. And, it is it has it is not god punishing you you exist on that side of things until you you come to an agreement and a recognition and and then everyone eventually at some point will be transferred Passes to the over. other side yeah. so that's the doctrine of universalism mm-hmm. that everyone no one will be punished forever no mm-hmm. one goes to hell forever sure. and even those who have rejected christ in this life will eventually get to heaven that's universalism mm-hmm. and um so and, and here's what disturbs me so okay we've got rob bell on one side and nt Wright, and you might say that well we've got this other great evangelical theologian, uh, D.A. Carson on the other side. Mm. You know, but what D.A. Carson says with regard to the eternal nature of hell, if I understand him correctly, it's hard to know if anybody understands these people who who know biblical languages, cognate languages, mm-hmm. research languages, and, and, and church fathers. Right. But <clears throat> D.A. Carson would say, well, you know, you you are in hell because of rebellion and you will simply hell is eternal because you will keep rebelling you will never yeah. get you're out of elect, that rebellious you're state. elect to rebel, rebellion well I mean, yeah the, that'd be it. the reform the the calvinist part right of it, is yeah. that uh, god saw that this is going to happen to you which is god's, which is the reverse you know calvinism is is very in many ways similar to what rob bell is suggesting because both are about election. One is an eventual election to salvation. The other one's a clear election towards heaven or hell from the very beginning. Yes. Just, that, those parallels yeah. are strange to me. Yeah, and so that's why his book's called Love Wins. Right. Because he takes the God's one attribute of love as correcting all the other attributes. Right. If I could, I don't know that he says that, but if I could phrase it that way. Sure. And therefore... All the other attributes are not balanced or even or don't, you know, it's not that both have to be true. Yeah, there's a hierarchy. There's like a hierarchy of his attributes. So I don't I don't like D.A. Carson's. I mean, you know, who am I to to throw shade on D.A. Carson? But 
okay, well, the reason hell is eternal is because you'll, you rebel forever. So he, he agrees with the eternality of hell, mm-hmm. but just says, okay, it's because of that. Now, Rob Bell would say, you, you suffer for some point, to some point, and for some time until you stop rebelling and you accept God's story. Right. And once you place yourself back in store, God's story, then then you, then you get to heaven. Sure. But um, I, no, I think I think hell is a, eternal because God's holiness is, is infinite. And if God's holiness is infinite, then your sins are an infinite offense against a holy God. And the mm-hmm. only way to pay for an infinite offense is with an eternal punishment. Right. And even if you suffer in eternity, God does not get out of you everything he's owed. And the only way he got that is through Christ, mm-hmm. who was infinite, right. to die for your sins. Yeah. Uh, so Rob Bell sounds a lot like purgatory. Uh, the difference being that Catholics would say purgatory is just for Christians, mm-hmm. right? Nobody else goes to purgatory with the eventual view of getting to heaven. It is only Christians who go there. Rob Bell would say that it's for everybody. Mm. So when you read uh, Rob Bell or some of these other you know, uh, authors who ascribe to universal reconciliation, like we said before, they'll all agree that hell exists. It's a biblical concept in scripture. Um, some will never go there. Uh, it's more of a of this like, you know, threat, <laughs> this existential threat. Uh, then uh, others would say, okay, well, maybe you go there for a period before you, you know, and they make these hypotheses. Uh, but they, the, there are concepts that come in conflict with hell are rooted at some level in their false view of scripture and their misinterpretation of certain passages. And so they'll, they'll, they'll say, oh yeah, hell exists, it's in the Bible, but it comes in conflict with these other passages, such as 1 Corinthians uh, 15, uh, 21 and 22. But now is Christ risen from the dead, and because the first fruits of them that slept, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So they use a passage like this and they say, well, the word all here implies all of humanity. And so, you know, just as in Adam, all of the human race died, right? They're all part of the curse. Well, in Christ, all of the human race will be made alive. And that's how they interpret a passage like that. So so what say you? Yeah, so what I say is that's proof of my assertion that you know it's doctrines of demons because demons cannot do exegesis. Mm-hmm. They can't do exegesis. So right. they can't just take... So they have to admit the word hell is used in the Bible. But when I, when I read Rob Bell, he says life is... Eternal life's not really forever life. It's just abundant life. Or it is life belonging to the next age. Mm-hmm. So he says that page 57, 92 and 93. And he says that the images of hell in the Bible, because if you can't do exegesis, then everything is story. Right. So the images in the Bible of hell refer to the pain we create for ourselves on earth and to the impending disaster on Jerusalem. In AD 70, mm-hmm. he gets that from N.T. Wright. 
Yep. And, uh, you know, so he will say that um, if, if you don't accept God's story about the world and you resist his love, heaven will be hell for you and hell will be what you create for yourself. Now, to me, that's kind of like calling professional wrestling a little fake. But okay, see, I mean, that's just the type of logic mm-hmm. that, that they are using. Mm-hmm. So he's got, he's got his verses he will bring out yeah. of context. Yeah. So he will bring out verses. And uh, those verses that, that he will list, you know, he seems to me to be very unaware of all of the other passages that would help him correctly interpret the verses that mm-hmm. he brings out. So, you know, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll talk about Ephesians 1.11. Um, he'll talk about Matthew 7.21. He'll talk about how if God has a desire and it's the will of God for all to be saved, well, God can't have a desire which can be rejected. And that's a very Calvinist idea because we're back to fatalism mm-hmm. and we are back to, uh, right. um, you know, election. Um, right. Um, unconditional election and that there's no free will involved in it. Uh, only, only a sovereign will and a sovereign grace. And it's the adjectives again, that don't appear in the word of God mm-hmm. to, uh, to describe those things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it is, so it's that type of reasoning that, that he will use and first Timothy two, four and other places, but what does he ignore? Okay, well, how about Romans uh, 9, verse 22? What if God, willing to show his wrath? Now, in, in my King James, it says S-H-E-W. Mm-hmm. And I knew somebody one time that said, well, you got to pronounce it shoe <laughs> or else you're not really King James. <laughs> well, but, but I would ask, how do you pronounce S-E-W? S-E-W? Yeah, how do you pronounce that? So. So, yeah. So, okay. yeah, it's so, just a matter if of God trip, yeah. willing to show his wrath. See, aren't these amazing insights you can get so good. this podcast? So good. Fantastic. If God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Wow. That sounds... That sounds like he might send someone to hell. Rob Bell actually makes the statement that God does not pour out his wrath on anybody. So God is not, God is not mm. emotional. So God's not going to have those emotions. Mm. When I think, you know, there are verses we can find that says God does pour out his wrath. Mm-hmm. And so you can do whatever toe dance around that if you can find certain things in cognitive and research languages that might right. contradict it. But no, I think it's even an emotional. Uh, when you you know when you call something an abomination, that's kind of an emotional response to it. Sure. And um, so I think that exists there. And he gets, so he Bob, get, the thing about that that bothers me is that like so love is clearly an emotion. But anger is a bad emotion. Right. So we don't like anger. And so God can't be angry. Yeah. So, which well, is so it's very selective because yeah. they cannot do biblical exegesis. Mm-hmm. 
They're not going to exegete a passage. Mm -hmm. They will take verses, meaning they will take them right out of context, straight out of Compton, not out of the Word of God. Okay. And, uh, you know, so hell is the sad suffering in this life. Hell is God giving us what we want, pages 71, 72. Uh, Post-mortem hell is what we create for ourselves when we refuse to believe God's story. And, and it's a universalism that says everyone will eventually be on right. the other side once they accept God's story. And yeah. it's, not, it's not eternal loss for anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to, to that, uh, you know, uh, if we can, let's, let's maybe go back to this idea of God's character and um, how these false claims uh, of Rob Bell— uh, how do they defraud God's character? And so if you don't mind, I'm going to read this passage from his book, and then I want you to kind of walk us through h- how his perspective uh, harms or impacts the way we perceive God. So he says in his book, millions have been taught that if they don't believe, if they don't accept in the right way, that is the way that the person telling them the gospel does, and they were hit by a car and died later that day, God would have no choice but to punish them forever in conscious torment in hell. God would, in essence, become a fundamentally different being to them in that moment of death, a different being to them forever, a loving heavenly father who will go to extraordinary lengths to have a relationship with them would, in the blink of an eye, become a cruel, mean, vicious tormentor who would ensure that they had no escape from an endless future agony. That's that's what he says about the the biblical God. So, so what would you say? I mean, in response to that, because obviously this is an attack or an affront to it to the God that's described in Scripture that He has these complex uh, character qualities uh, that all of which are important. His love. And his sense of justice, wrath, grace, mercy—all of these things are on an equal plane, yeah. as far as I understand. Yeah. One does not trump the other, but in in Rob Bell's economy, they can't coexist. That that ju- sense of hmm. justice, this angry justice, can't coexist with his love. Matthew seven one, Jesus says, "Do not judge," and in the blink of an eye. Five verses later, in verse six, he calls his opponents dogs and pigs. Mm-hmm. Jesus does. Yeah. So, you know, to me, it's not just in how that impugns the character of God, but how does that do despot to the blood of Christ and the doctrine of salvation by grace? Because if everyone is going to get to heaven, then, okay, then why did Jesus need to do what he did? Mm -hmm. If Jesus was not suffering punishment for someone, then what was he doing Mm -hmm. exactly? And if he was suffering punishment then why does there need to be a purgatory for if he was suffering punishment for everyone in the way Rob Bell says? Yeah, a universalistic way. Right. Why did why did why does anybody need to go to purgatory? What does it matter? Right. That's why true. does the Buddhist need to go to purgatory in the first place? 
or the Hindu. Yeah, what's God trying to prove there? Yeah, or the Muslim <laughs> or anybody else. Yeah. I mean, it's so, so not only do you uh, impugn the character of God, you absolutely destroy the cross of Christ and everything it means mm-hmm. with this type of idea. Mm-hmm. So, okay, if hell is not real, there is no reason for God to do in Christ, on to Christ on the cross what he did. There was no reason for Christ to be made sin for us. And I understand Rob Bell wants to use spiritual and theological judo to try and use the momentum of, of that to throw it on its head and say, well, I mean, he did such a good job, everybody should be saved. Mm-hmm. Well, no, if you're going to throw it on its head like that, then no one needs to even go to a purgatory in between. Right. right. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't even need to exist as a threat, right? right. The place doesn't even need to exist as a, a, a scriptural threat against humanity or against nations or against, you know, the enemies of God. None of those threats would ever need to be there in the first place if— Christ's death, burial, and resurrection was as universal as they suggest that right. it is. Yeah. Um, so here's some questions. Let's let's maybe for now just look away from Rob Bell for a second and focus just on what Scripture says. So can you explain to us maybe just a little bit about hell? Um, who goes there? What's it like? Um, and uh, what happens? You know, what happens to a lost person when they die? When you know, if their body is separated from their soul? Um, you know, in terms of, of soul torment. So these are like questions about hell right, that, yeah. that often get asked. Yeah, yeah. No, we need to do that because okay. we've kind of had a history of universalism and that mm-hmm. doctrine. Uh, so, okay, so we've got the history. You know, I'd say the psychology is that it is an emerging church doctrine, and they call themselves the emerging church this is this is what I say. They call themselves the emerging church because they are emerging out of fundamentalism. Mm-hmm. They are emerging out of independent. But they are all it's recovering fundamentalists. Yeah, it's so a response. Rob Bell is. Brian McLaren is. Andy Stanley is. Mm-hmm. So they're emerging out of that, in their view, to give a more evolved, civilized view of God. Mm-hmm. Set against that is what the the Bible actually states, that hell is a lake of fire, and it was the final destiny God had designed for the devil and his angels. Apparently, according to 2 Peter 2 verse 4, some are already there. Uh, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell— and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Okay, so that that was the origin story, and that is what it was for, and mm-hmm. that is what it is even currently being used as, as to, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the Bible teaches that the wicked who finally reject God, meaning reject God to the end of their life. And I know Rob Bell likes to bring up, so his stories are all made up. I think we need to understand that. Mm-hmm. When he talks about the Bible needing to be story, it, his stories are all made up. So he will make up a story of a person in a Islamic Republic, of a child who is never taught about Christ or the Bible or the gospel, 
and grows up and dies and goes to hell. Yeah. Now that's a made up story. Yeah. Um, and I say that it's made up because that never occurs. Mm. Abraham asked the question, shall not the God of all the earth do right? And it was a rhetorical question because the answer is, well, yes, he will always do right. Mm -hmm. How does that work out in these situations? Well, with exactly you know what is stated in the Gospel of John, Christ is the light that lighteth every person that comes into the world. Mm -hmm. Everyone has is given light. Now, we know that the background light exists from the gospel and the stars, as it were, or mm -hmm. what you can see of God in nature. Right. I think more than that, that the Holy Spirit does the work that Jesus credited him with yeah. of convicting of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment mm -hmm. to come. I think that happens for every person who reaches an, a, an adult age where they could respond to the gospel. Right. Um, so these are made-up Regar stories. Regardless of the made-up story. Uh, Romans chapter one says God gives us all the evidences of the light yes. and how we respond to that light unfolds more light. So all get that, yeah. including these people that Ron Bell imagines. Mm -hmm. Only he leaves that, he boxes God out. Yeah. Not untypical for, you know, uh, a doctrine of demons. Uh, so he boxes God out. Uh, but there's, there is never a case. Everyone gets some light they could respond to. Mm-hmm. And God will continue to respond to them responding to the light yeah. until they get the gospel. But Psalm 9 verse 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. So actually there are, if I did my math correctly, about 162 texts in the New Testament alone that talk about the doom that awaits those who do not repent. And about 70 of those are uttered by Christ himself. Hmm. So, so what is hell? Well, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 9, it is banishment from the presence of God who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So it is banishment from God's presence. Secondly, it is a place of torment mm -hmm. and punishment, Luke 16:23 and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments I think when you understand the origin story and what it was for and yet after the fall of Adam what it also has to accommodate and be used for that is why um the bible states that hell has enlarged itself mm -hmm. it had to because because it was created for one group initially and then Adam in his rebellion, you know, it, it had to enlarge itself. Yeah, it had to enlarge itself to accommodate all of those. Hmm. And I know that, you know, there are three words used. Uh, so if we're going to do biblical exegesis, there are three words that are used for hell that are translated hell mm -hmm. in the Bible. There, There is in the Old Testament, Sheol, and there's in the New Testament, Hades, and Gehenna, and those are not just translated hell. They are also translated the pit and the grave. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are those who will say, well, you can see how the King James translators took away from the force of the doctrine, and I guess I don't understand them saying that, because to call it all hell seems to, to me to give it more force. 
Mm-hmm. So what what you know, if it is also translated pit and grave, then what we're really doing in this podcast is we are unearthing hell. Mm-hmm. So we are unearthing hell. Um, Matthew twenty five forty one. So here's the you know the meek and quiet Jesus. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That was the origin story verse, Matthew 25, 41. And so since we insist on going there, some do, then Isaiah 5, 14, therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. Proverbs 27, 20, hell and destruction are never full hmm. because it can always be expanded. So it's a place of punishment. Matthew 25, 46, these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. It is a place of torment. Luke 16, 23, which we read before, lift up his eyes being in torments. It is a place of fire. Matthew 13, 42 and 50, Revelation 20, 15, Revelation 14, 10, Matthew 3, 12, Isaiah. So, you know, if I were going to write a book like Rob Bell wrote, I think I would take out my concordance and I would look up the word and I would find the verses and I would pull the truth together in one spot. Mm-hmm. And then I would base, I would take my mental reasoning and I would submit it to the mind of Christ on these matters. Mm-hmm. And and then I might write a book that, that would be beneficial to other pl- people. But that is not what he has done. And so when you, you know, Math, Mark chapter 9, verses 44, 46, 48, talk about the place where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Why? Well, because you are spirit, soul, and body. God starts with the spirit. So when you get saved, immediately your spirit is saved, quickened, Mm -hmm. made alive. There's a progressive process of sanctification for your soul, which can happen because spiritually you were circumcised from the flesh. There's no good thing in the flesh. But having been spiritually circumcised, well, okay, there's a process of saving your soul, as it were. There's Mm -hmm. a process of delivering it from the corruptions and the lusts of this life. And then, because there's no good thing in the flesh, it has to die or be raptured. It has to either be resurrected or changed at the rapture. Mm -hmm. The dead to put on incorruption and those of us who are raptured to put on immortality— and then all three are saved and you know and and everything is good what happens if you're a lost person well your soul was never cut away from your flesh well what happens when your body dies then and turns back to dust mm-hmm. you lose your form you lose your form you lose your shape hmm. so what is left is what jesus describes there in mark chapter 9 what isaiah describes in isaiah 66 and other places and talking about, you know, they'll go out and look upon the worm of those who have rebelled against him. Because you, what? You can't can't be resurrected in a in an immortal, eternal body. Okay, you lost your shape. Hmm. So I I would say it's probably more literal than we know because it all makes sense in a 
properly exegeted systematic theology mm. uh, related to what's going on. Yeah, it's it's clear that, that Scripture makes a big deal about it. And one of the things we didn't quite mention, you alluded to, was the idea of the great white throne judgment. And so maybe if you can summarize you know, what you just said, reconcile that alongside of this future judgment, and how is it distinct? How is this judgment distinct among the other judgments? So why a great white throne judgment? Mm -hmm. and, and why should these souls be delivered out of hell to stand before the great white throne right. and be sentenced back? Why, why does that have to take place? Um, because, um, you know, if you think about just integrating all of the theology together and all of the different aspects, and, and so now you have, have a body that was destroyed in the dust, and yet it says that the lost people stand before God, and death and hell and the sea these people stand yeah. before God. So obviously there is some intermediate body for them, mm -hmm. even as we experience after death, but before the resurrection. Why does this why why does it have to be done all just to to, to stand before this great white throne? Yeah. Well, when you stop and think about it, the punishment for every sin is death. Romans 6:23. For the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. So I think that means each and every sin is death. Everlasting punishment doesn't mean equal punishment. Um, the time is the same. The degrees vary. So, so yes, it's true that, um, and I know this is this is the type of illustration that Rob Bell would. <laughs> Criticize me for. <laughs> okay. But even your saintly grandmother, if she's not saved, well, she's not going to suffer the same as Adolf Hitler mm -hmm. if he remained unsaved. So you're suggesting that after the great white throne judgment, that there are degrees of severity in the punishment. Well, and what I would say is this is, again, we were talking about the character of God. This is this is consistent with the character of God because mm -hmm. we know, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that one Christian is going to differ from another in glory in he heaven, yeah. just like the stars differ from each other mm -hmm. in brightness. Yeah. Now, the only thing that Paul saw with his eyes was the differing brightness. But we have the Hubble Space Telescope. So so we can now, and I, you know, I I follow NASA Goddard on Instagram mm -hmm. because I just love pictures of galaxies mm -hmm. and nebula and you know and and you can see clusters of galaxies and you can you can dive within a galaxy and you can um, you can see see um, pieces of space where it's just packed with galaxies and galaxies packed with stars. And um, mm -hmm. there are all sorts of intriguing glory that is up there yeah, um, caused by different phenomena that exists in gravitational ways on that level with what's being dealt with. So if that's true of heaven, 
like it is true of the heavens, if it's also going to be true of Christians in the same way after the judgment seat of Christ. We don't all get the same rewards. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think we don't all get crowns. I mean, I think Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 that um, it is possible to be saved yet so as by fire. Mm-hmm. So you come away with nothing but yourself. Yeah, by the skin of your teeth. And Paul says to Timothy, look, if you're going to, you have to suffer with Christ in order to reign with him. Well, that is exactly the idea that the seducing spirits and false doctrine teachers like Rob Bell want to do away with. Because the mentality of Americans today and of contemporary Western thinkers especially, is that you shouldn't have to be denied anything. If you're not happy in a situation, change the situation to make you happy. And if a relationship you are in makes you unhappy in what you do and you used to be happy there and now it's Mm -hmm. dragging you down, get rid of that relationship so you can get back to what you had in this. We don't want to be denied those things. And in saying that, we do deny ourselves the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. And, okay, we deny us that. We deny ourselves that. So this, I would agree with Rob Bell that there's some things that the result of your choosing and your creating. But you deny yourself the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, but you also deny yourself. Another very important thing Paul uh, doesn't spend a lot of time on, but he does talk about making up in your body that which is lacking of his sufferings. Mm. Not a suffering for sin, but Paul is definitely saying there that he rejoiced in sufferings, and he knew that when he was weak, he was strong, because that suffering he was willing to endure. He's adding, well, he was adding to the body of Christ, but the Gentiles who were getting saved and the churches mm-hmm. started. But somehow it all flows into the glory of Christ. And, and you know, the most amazing thing about Jesus, this is why I can't buy in anything anywhere Rob Bell's going. The most amazing thing about Jesus, when you do things to redound to his glory, so they don't just resound, that's sounding the same thing in another place. Mm-hmm. But there is one place in a good King James Bible, where it uses the word redound, Yeah, it's adding to. It's not just the same thing in another place. It is a compounding of the amplitude and amplification. Right. When you do that, you are, you are adding to the glory of God. How can sinful human man add anything to God's glory? And yet, that's exactly what we're called to do. And we do that through our suffering in fellowship with him, we add to his glory. Then at the judgment seat of Christ, he takes that, turns it into a crown and gives it back to us. Now that's crazy. Mm. But some people have no crowns because they did not suffer. And, uh, And that is a shame. But those who did, so just like there are differences of glory in heaven, there will be different levels of why, why, why? Uh, Well, because, uh, let me see if I can find uh, the verse here. There is a verse um, that talks about the lowest hell. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, then there must be a higher hell if there's mm-hmm. a lowest hell. Right. So, okay, maybe Adolf Hitler will be in the lowest hell. Mm. Wait, uh, but, you know, frankly, I don't know if God has a very high view of anyone who does not have a high view of his word. I don't know if God has a very high view of anyone who does not have a high view of his people. I think anyone who uh, would say that God is done with his promises to Israel, I kind of put you on the wrong side of history <laughs> because it's the wrong side of prophecy yeah, with regard yeah. to the Antichrist and, and right. everything else. I mean, I, that is just like dangerous, dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and so I don't know if the ones who will be in lower hells are the ones we would expect to see there compared to ones that may be higher but, you know, their sins were only sins of the flesh anyway. Mm. So, um, you know, so I think there's a lot to be yeah, that's contemplated yeah. no, that's in a good. complete doctrine of hell. And that gives us a lot to think about. So, um, man, we yeah, invite the listeners to continue to study that because there's a lot of really interesting content there. So let's uh, close with this. In closing, why is it important for Christians to understand the biblical perspective of hell, to get this, to get this straight? Why is it so important? And why should hell not be redacted from from the gospel presentation? So when you're sharing the gospel with a person, you know, is it appropriate for someone to kind of withhold the concept of consequence um, in order to, to present a more palatable version of the gospel where Jesus is just loving, um, but not also just? Is that appropriate? Well, so I, I don't know that there's anything ever appropriate to be redacted if it's actually <laughs> right. a biblical teaching. Sure, but but Christians do it. That they do. Yeah. Now, I think that's because most Christians don't understand what evangelism is. But I will say that I believe evangelism is kind of tying together two things your personal testimony with the terms of the gospel. And the terms of the gospel are what they are. Mm-hmm. And and it's, you know, Christ died. Well, that was for something. It's because you were a sinner. Mm-hmm. And he was buried according to the scriptures and raised according to the scriptures. And, and the gospel is the good news of what Christ did to get you salvation through faith in his finished work. Mm-hmm. So grace comes through faith in the finished work of Christ. And I can see that, yes, that is that is the focus. But the other aspect, I think, of being evangelical is that you are communicating that gospel mostly based on your personal testimony. So I think if your testimony is, I got saved because... I knew I was a sinner and I was afraid of hell. Mm-hmm. That that needs to be a part of the presentation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we always have to be second-guessing what's going on on the other side of us, because I do think the Holy Spirit's going to use our testimony and, and the terms of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't... Uh, you know, there's a method of evangelism called way, the way of the master. Mm-hmm. But did the master use that way? I'm not sure. Because it always starts with hell almost. I mean, next to hell. It mm-hmm. starts with such condemnation. Yeah. Well, I got saved when I was 11 years old. I didn't have a whole lot of sin to repent of, but I was afraid of death. 
That's my testimony. Mm-hmm. I put the terms of the gospel with that. And that's how I communicate the gospel. So that's 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 my evangelism. Yeah. Uh, do I have to always get in a word on hell? I don't know that I have to do that. Right. But if it were part of my testimony, yeah. it would be there. And if someone else is coming to me with those questions or that expectation or that fear, then uh, certainly it is appropriate to do. Yeah. So and you're it, saying that in, circumstantially, uh, whatever you can share that's true from Scripture— then you share that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So whatever is appropriate for the yeah. moment. And if that means uh, that there are questions about death and hell yeah. or that comes up in dialogue, it absolutely needs to be yeah. discussed. But the reason Rob Bell would say that should be excised mm-hmm. from the gospel, and maybe you even change eternal life to really just abundant life mm-hmm. and and so forth. reason he would say that is is because, um, you know, he—, he Here's here's the key linchpin. Here's the here's the fatal flaw in his thinking, supported as it may be by other evangelicals who would agree with him or theologians who supported him from whom he got certain ideas. Mm-hmm. The fatal flaw is he says you will you have not agreed to God's story, and after you die, even after you die, as soon as you agree with God's story, then Heaven is heaven for you and not hell right. for you. Yeah. Um, now, here's the problem. And again, we're back to biblical exegesis because he loses, uses Luke chapter 16 as a way to say that they exist in parallel and mm-hmm. da, da, da. Okay, okay. Um, Luke chapter 16, verses 24 to 27. The rich man suffering torments says, Father Abraham... Will you have Lazarus come, come? Just have him dip his finger in the water and put it on my tongue. Uh, you know, I have brethren back there, and they they don't believe. They don't believe this place exists. I have one, one brother named Rob, another brother named Andy, another brother named Brian. And, um, and if you could just send... If you would just send someone from here suffering like me back there, or or even Lazarus, to who's a witness to what's going on, just send them back to tell them what's going on. You know what? Both of those prayers were denied. Mm-hmm. All, you know, the the lost or are doomed because all their prayers are denied in hell. Mm. There will be no opportunity to except God's story. Uh, you know, and I don't think Rob Bell's thought through it that far, but we have. Yeah. The gulf, the gulf was too far to cross. Yeah. And if you don't believe the scriptures, that's, that's sufficient. The pro- if they don't believe the prophets, that's sufficient for them. Right. And, you know, to the, to the law and to the testimony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they've, they, and especially people who might be listening to us, well, they've got that. I mean, even if they tuned tuned in somehow by random chance, yeah, I don't know. They just did a search on Apple Podcasts or something right. and came up with this. And they've, you know, they've never li- listened to a religious podcast before, and they thought, oh, let me check this out. Okay, well, you know now. I mean, you've got you've got that information now, and and it, you know, it cannot be denied. That's what the Bible says. 
Mm-hmm. Don't be seduced away by those who say that they are Christians that that want to teach something different. It's not the doctrine of God that that they are teaching. Yeah. And and as long as we have breath, there's still hope. You know, unlike the rich man, you know. Right. And we have not yet been doomed. If you're listening to the show, you have not yet been doomed and and you have an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ and that's a pretty powerful opportunity. And we, we, you know, we we would beg and beseech people to to um, consider, right? Yeah, because the only probationary period is this life. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, Pastor Allen, thank you for this good, uh, lively, and and really important, sobering conversation. Uh, we really appreciate you being here with us. So thanks, man. Yeah, praise the Lord. And thank you for joining us as well uh, for another episode of The Postscript. And this conversation is not a very popular one. Not very many people are having it right now. Uh, If you go out and you do a search on your favorite podcast platform, you're going to find a lot of people that are defending universal reconciliation. They're they're taking Rob Bell's defense. And and, uh, so, you know, we want to ask that you would look at the Word of God and you would consider it at face value. Compare scripture with scripture. What does the Bible say? And if you have to do, as Pastor Allen said, you have to do jujitsu with the word of God to prove some sort of uh, presupposition, uh, then you're actually approaching God's word the wrong way. And and we want to beg you to not do that. And we want to beg you to consider uh, getting a proper Bible education where you can learn how to divide God's word properly. And so that's why we have Living Faith Bible Institute. And if that interests you at all, if you're interested in becoming a a biblicist, if you're interested in becoming a leader in your local church, if you're interested in discipling people, how to follow Jesus Christ, to do missions, to do ministry, lfbi.org is where you want to go and visit. So please do that now. We also want to invite you to like, subscribe, share these episodes. Uh, If you find that they're powerful for you or your friends and family, uh, please share them out. But again, we thank you for being with us. God bless. We'll see you next week. Thank you.